0: We are in Stratford, Vermont today. It's a beautiful August day. It's windy a little bit. Sun is shining. We're looking at Goldenrod. And we're next to a large pond because we are looking for a very special kind of bee today.
1: And that special kind of bee only likes one special kind of plant.
0: Only one. That's it.
1: It likes a plant called Grass of Parnassus.
0: And this bee is called Andrina Parnassia, correct?
1: Yeah, named after the plant. This bee is so rare, it doesn't even have a common name.
0: What do you mean it doesn't have a common name? It
1: literally only has a Latin name.
0: Andrina Parnassia. That's it. That's it. So we're only going to find this bee where we find this plant.
1: That's right. And luckily, we have Spencer Hardy, who's already tracked down the plant for us here.
0: Spencer Hardy is a biologist at VCE. He works predominantly with bees. We like to call him bee boy. And he's going to introduce us to this very special bee and the very special plant on which it gathers its food.
1: So let's go connect with him.
0: All right. Spencer!
1: Hello! Hello! All
0: right, show us this bee. We want to see her. Just missed one. It well, was
1: on the wait. That's like the story of our lives. It's always, you just missed it. So
0: maybe while we're waiting for the bee, let's talk about the flowers and what they look like and where we find them. So this what is, is this flower? This is
2: Ben Grass of Parnassus, the only member of the Parnassus genus that we have here in Vermont maybe 8 or 10 inches tall with a a pretty cool five-petaled white flower with a little green cone in the middle. Um, Yeah, but
0: we're not really giving credit to the beauty and the delicacy of this lovely flower. I mean, it's a white color and it's got these green veins and these kind of tan yellow anthers in the middle. It's really a lovely little flower.
2: I suspect from the bee's perspective, the most interesting thing about it is that it blooms in mid-August through mid-September when there's not a lot of other variety blooming. When I was watching the the bee a minute ago before you guys showed up, I noticed that a very short tongue, which makes sense because there's not a lot of flower for it to get into it. All the rewards are very close to the surface.
0: Wait, 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 let's go back for a second. Yeah, tongue. The, yeah, tongue, yeah. <laughs> like So there are, tongues? Be, yep. there, there are- Yep, there are bees tongs. that have long tongues?
2: There are long tongue bees for long corolla flowers. Things like red clover and these other long tubes that are hard to make the nectar hard for the bees to reach.
1: So the tongue is not like our tongue, though. It's not a flat thing that comes so out of our
2: mouth. long skinny thing that folds up underneath their neck. And I think they use the end of it to suck up the pollen and then mostly the nectar, I suppose. And then the pollen they're sticking on their hind legs and carrying back to their nest.
0: So let's go back to this little flower here. What habitat is it found in?
2: The name gives that one away. This is the fen grass of Parnassus, which is only found in fens and areas with a lot of calcium. So, places that had a lot of uh, seashells 100,000 years ago or whatever, millions, of years. millions ago, is probably yeah. Exactly. And this species of Parnassus is mostly a northern species.
1: And so, to find the flower, you had to search out a fen, which is basically a wetland that has some peat in it and water flowing into it, so if you find that kind of habitat, you're probably going to find this flower, and if you find this flower, you're probably going to find the bee?
2: So in this case, I cheated, and I looked on iNaturalist, and I found all the <laughs> observations of uh, grass and I went to the nearest one, and there was the bee.
1: You first found this bee last year, right? Yep. And that was the first one ever found for this species in Vermont? Uh,
2: actually not, no. The 1960 Bees of Eastern North America lists this species, the records from Vermont, I think Minnesota and Wisconsin. And as far as I know, no one's looked for it in Vermont since then. Appears to range all the way across into Michigan, Wisconsin. And there's even a record now from North Carolina on a different species of grassoparnassus. So I'm going to distract you now for a second. The bee just showed up on this flower right over here.
0: Oh, there she is. That is tiny.
1: Whoa, you're close to it. It's not even moving. Oh, Oh. there she went. I should uh, not have said anything.
0: Hopped to another flower. Right right to
1: another flower.
0: Oh, yeah, she's going to bud. the buds.
1: Going back and forth between various buds, looking for one oh, that's honey, open. honey,
0: find, there it's you go. found
1: one? There. And so what's it doing? We're creeping up really close. Your your face is could, six inches I away. I could pet this bee
2: if I wanted to.
0: And she's tiny. She's really small.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the flower is like the size of my thumbnail, right? And the yeah. bee is like smaller than my pinky, pinky nail. nail. Nine millimeters. Here's another one.
2: Wow, all of a sudden, they're all over the place. Yeah. I can tell it's a female because she's got some longer hairs on her hind legs that she'll use to fill with pollen. This one doesn't have any pollen on it yet, so she's must be just started to forage after returning to her nest. So
1: right there, she's circling back and around, so she's grabbing pollen probably and putting it on her hind legs?
2: Yeah, she just wiped it off her face, starting to build up stores on her hind legs in these. So they have a special pouch, right, on their hind legs? Yeah, called scopal hairs.
0: And that's where they collect all of the pollen and then they go back to their colony. Where do they
2: live? Here's a hole that right underneath the fengrass here oh. that is a, almost exactly the same size as she is. And because these are mining bees, we, we assume that they nest in the ground. And they're solitary, so there's not actually a colony. Okay. Inside this hole, there's a tube and then a handful of chambers where she'll leave a little loaf of pollen and then lay an egg on it. And <laughs> okay. over the course of the rest of the fall into the winter, the egg that she lays will turn into a grub, which will then eventually pupate into a bee and she'll spend the rest of the next 10 months as an adult hanging out underground waiting for the fen grass to bloom next August. Wait, wait. So yes. she
1: lays the egg, puts pollen down there, closes off that chamber, and nobody- She'll never it.
2: meet her kids.
1: And that's, that's it, they just take care of themselves.
2: And she'll put loaves with eggs down there- In different chambers. In different chambers. And then next summer, males will come out a few days before and be ready when the females come out, they'll mate, the males will die, and then the females will start the whole cycle over again. So unlike bumblebees
1: or non-native honey honey bees. honeybees, there's no workers.
2: There's no workers. There's no social structure. It's just males and females.
1: Well, frankly, the females do all the work, and the males have one job, and that's pretty much it. Exactly.
0: exactly. As usual. <laughs> but, yeah. oh, oh, there she is. Well, let's, let, let's talk about how she looks. She's got pollen on her, and she's got hairy legs. She's got some
2: hairs, which yeah. is part it's of what makes like a her pollen. a bee and not a, a wasp or a sawfly or something else.
0: I know. At first blush,
2: honestly, it looked like a fly to me right away. Yeah. If you look really closely, she has four wings instead of the two that uh, flies have. Longer antennae. Within the genus Andrina, she's relatively distinct in that most of her hairs are dark, especially on her face. But she's really dark. She's really dark, which I'm wondering now if that's an adaptation to absorb sunlight in the cool fall days where she's active.
0: Oh. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to ask you. So a lot of times we see bees, a lot of insects, especially in this area, they start to come out in June. But these guys are going to stay underground May, June, July, and then not until August they don't come out. Not until this, this plant is flowering.
2: Somehow they figured out how to time it exactly right with the plant.
0: Wow, so uh, th- that's fantastic. We came to a place with the flowers and we found the bee. How often does that actually happen?
2: <laughs> not always that easy, but... More often than not, if the flower's there, the bee's there.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming out with us and showing us these flowers and the bees and telling us what little we do know about them.
1: Thank you both. Thanks a lot, Spencer.
0: I'm Sarah Zahendra.
1: And I'm Kat McFarland.
0: Thanks for listening to Outdoor Radio. Let's find some more bees.